We are all living in a fast-paced world that is overflowing with information, yet also a lot of opportunities. And the ability to receive is an essential skill that often goes overlooked. Now, whether it's receiving support, feedback, or simply being open to new experiences, the capacity to receive significantly impacts our personal and professional lives. However, various internal and external factors can create barriers that hinder us from being able to receive fully. Today, we're going to explore these obstacles to receiving and offer insights on how to overcome them so that we can embrace the transformative power of receptivity. Hi, I'm Brenda Reese, freedom and forgiveness coach and a person just like you that is learning to navigate life and all of its challenges. I teach a forgiveness process like no other. It's a blend of practical and spiritual forgiveness. This process guides you into knowing how unforgiveness can be keeping you stuck in your relationships, both personally and professionally, and how it prevents you from releasing resentment and finding joy. Each week, I share practical and some not-so-practical tips, tools, and advice from myself and other people that are on this journey just like us. This is for you if you are ready to turn your pain into peace. Welcome to the Forgive Yourself Podcast. I've been having quite a few conversations with my clients recently about receiving. Now, there is a myriad of reasons that we put up blocks or barriers to receiving, and we've done so for a good reason, and it's mainly to keep ourselves safe. Somewhere, we learned that we need to do it all ourselves because we couldn't count on anyone. Or that if someone gives us a compliment, we immediately go to, ooh, what do you want from me? And we learned nothing in this world is free, so therefore we have to struggle and protect ourselves. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Okay, that right there shows my age, right? (laughs) But these are just a couple feelings and reasons for the barriers that we have created. And so I've come up with six barriers or blocks that I'd like to share with you and see if you resonate with any of them. And then we will chat about some solutions or things you can do to guide you through these reasons to help open yourself up and be a little bit more receptive. Keep in mind that opening ourselves up To receive all the goodness is what we are here for. And forgiveness is a way that we can learn to accept this goodness. So here we go. The first one is fear of vulnerability. Now, one of the primary reasons people struggle to receive is the fear of vulnerability. Opening yourself to receive requires letting down defenses and allowing others to see you in a more authentic light. This vulnerability can trigger feelings of discomfort or anxiety, causing you to shy away from seeking help or acknowledging your own needs. Now, overcoming this block involves recognizing that vulnerability is not a weakness, but a sign of strength. Embracing vulnerability can lead to deeper connections and greater personal growth. And here is where I will say that we do need to have a boundary about what we are sharing and who we share it with, 
because vulnerability doesn't mean you tell all your secrets to everyone. You probably know some people who share everything with everyone, you know, no boundaries at all. They're always asking for advice from you and then from another person and then another person, or they're telling all their stuff, whether you asked or not. And it doesn't matter who it is that they're sharing with. That is not true vulnerability. That's called no boundaries. Now, this is where discernment comes in because discernment is something that we learn as we open up and share vulnerably. So those people that share a lot, they don't have the discernment along with no boundaries. Now, when we are able to uncover our beliefs and patterns that keep us feeling afraid to be vulnerable, it's a life changer in how we feel about ourselves and the ability to let people get to know us and to not be afraid of what any backlash will be by being vulnerable. So here are a couple things to get you started on working through your fear of vulnerability. First, we want to practice gradual exposure. Okay, What I have my clients do is start small by sharing their thoughts and feelings with a trusted friend or a family member. Not anything too deep. Share something that you like about them or yourself, or maybe a hobby you have that you haven't shared with anyone. For me and most of my clients, this is around feelings. Starting with sharing how you feel about a relationship or a situation. It can be scary at first, yet when you start small, it builds trust within yourself and you find, you know, you're going to find out that others feel the same way. Or they might have a different view of it, which is their vulnerability. Gradually build your comfort level with vulnerability, which can help you become more open to receiving support and understanding and start small. The second idea is embracing self-compassion. This is where you're going to develop a kind and understanding relationship with yourself. Instead of being harsh and critical, yeah, I see you because I do that too, we can practice changing a few things to start with. So when you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, because we all do, start by saying, hey, good morning, beautiful, or good morning, handsome. Okay, try that. It's actually kind of fun. And then every time you pass a mirror during the day, you can say, hey, friend, you are amazing, or hey, beautiful, or handsome, you have done great today. I'm so proud of you. So start with showing kindness to yourself. And I use the mirror. I want to say this because when we, (laughs) when we look in the mirror, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of negativity that goes on. Something's wrong. The wrinkles, the gray hair, the skin color, something is, it's not always positive. Sometimes we can have a good hair day, but usually the mind chatter is more negative. So we can start with showing kindness to ourselves. This will provide the emotional safety for you because you're learning to accept yourself. Most of us have never felt accepted before, and that's because we were looking to other people to accept us when they couldn't even accept themselves. So recognize that vulnerability is a natural part of being human 
and that self-compassion can provide the emotional safety needed to navigate it. So the number two block is perfectionism and self-reliance. The desire for perfection and the tendency to rely solely on yourself can also impede receptivity. We often hesitate to seek assistance or guidance because we feel it reflects that we're inadequate, that there's something wrong with us. Studies show that people with perfectionistic tendencies think that if we make a mistake, we are a failure. I felt that. Not only thought that about myself, but I felt that for such a long time that if I made a mistake, that I was a failure. Now, that, my friend, is just a lie. And if we believe it, it can keep us in a shame loop so that we feel we aren't ever going to be good enough or feel like we're not a failure or get the confidence that we need to know that we aren't a failure. Again, it's a lie that our ego tells us because we learned or made up somewhere back in childhood that we needed to be perfect to be loved. And we also learned the feeling of self-reliance because we didn't have parents or primary caregivers that were able to give us the love and attention that we needed. Or maybe you grew up in a household where addictions and abuse ran rampant and you knew that you needed to figure things out yourself. For survival and safety. These feelings and situations have a lasting effect on us until we are ready to look at them and transform them. When we can embrace imperfection, find its roots, and then recognize that everyone has areas to learn and grow, it can help break down this particular barrier. Especially when we understand why and what caused us to start utilizing this perfection and self-reliance strategy in the first place. So here are a couple ideas to get you started on working through perfectionism and self-reliance. So ask yourself some questions. These are great for journaling. How far back can you remember having perfectionistic tendencies? What was going on in your life at that time? What is something small that you could start with that is the opposite of what you consider perfect? For me, it was using the phrase, done is better than perfect. I painstakingly, excruciatingly would spend hours writing a blog post or an email, changing it, perfecting it, changing it, changing the words, and I would get so tired and frustrated. Then that ugly self-talk would start, and then the comparison. Right down the rabbit hole. Having someone to help you read the blog or email after your shitty first draft can help to build your confidence and learn to let that frustration go. Because some of us with these perfectionistic tendencies have such high standards that our C work is a lot of people's A work. So another thing that we can do is we can set realistic expectations. So we want to challenge the need for perfection by setting achievable goals and recognizing that mistakes are opportunities for growth. This takes practice, though, allowing yourself to make mistakes. 
So when we allow ourselves to seek help and collaborate with others for ideas, it encourages us to have grace for ourselves and others. So we do want to actively seek feedback from friends or mentors or colleagues. This helps us to understand that we are not alone. It, it can also give us wisdom on the steps others have taken to break down this barrier. So the number three block is negative self-image. Now, a negative self-image can significantly impact your ability to receive, as you can imagine, right? Feeling unworthy or undeserving can prevent us from accepting compliments, support, or the constructive feedback. It's really important to understand that everyone, and I mean everyone, has feelings of unworthiness. It may show up as, I don't matter, or I'm not lovable, or I'm not smart enough. It's there, no matter what your background or bank account number. So when did this negative self-image start? For so many of us, it's our younger years, and especially as teenagers. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. All right, I don't ever want to go back to those years. Weren't they hard? They were hard for me. Cultivating self-compassion and practicing positive self-talk can gradually shift this perception, and it's a perception, of feeling unworthy or undeserving. It's a perception. When you recognize your inherent worthiness and you're open to validation from others, it can foster a healthier self-image and promote a more receptive mindset. So here are a couple ideas to get you started on working through a negative self-image. The first one would be practicing self-affirmations. So when we incorporate positive affirmations into our daily routine, it helps to counter the negative self-talk. And over time, these affirmations can reshape your self-image and bolster your sense of worthiness. But they have to be believable. Not everyone believes in affirmations, yet we live them all the time. Our lives are our affirmations, whether it's negative or positive. It's what we believe. So why not create an intentional affirmation for yourself? Changing the way we think about ourselves is powerful. So some affirmations that I use are, I allow myself to love who I am as I am. I am happy, healthy, and whole. My self-worth is solid. And I treat my body with care and love. Now, what I encourage my clients to do in the beginning is to add the word willing to the affirmation, especially if it is something that seems hard, like, you know, really accepting ourselves or loving ourselves because we beat ourselves up for so long. So this is what it would sound like on those affirmations that I just shared with you. So this would be, I am willing to allow myself to love who I am as I am. I am willing to believe that I am happy, healthy, and whole. I am willing to feel that my self-worth is solid. I am willing to treat my body with care and love. 
So doesn't that feel different to you? Can you feel the difference of I allow myself to love who I am versus I am willing to allow? What it does is it kind of softens the brain so it doesn't come at you and attack you. It's like bullshit. That's not true. You know, because our brain will do that because, you know, we've kind of nurtured the negative side more than positive. So this allows the brain to go, wait, I don't know what to do with that word willing. So it opens you up. Try it. Let me know what you think about it. Okay. The second one is surround yourself with uplifting people. So I encourage you to surround yourself with individuals who uplift and encourage you. Their positivity and support can gradually chip away at that negative self-image barrier that you've built. Have you heard the saying that you are the sum of the five people you're around the most? So take an inventory and see if the individuals you spend the most time with are helping you increase your self-worth and image or decrease it. The number four barrier is overwhelm and busyness. Okay, we have a lot of this going on, don't we? These are really big barriers to receiving. Our lives today inundate us with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions, especially when we have multiple devices, right, that are bombarding us with immediate news and information. Constant busyness can create a mental state that is too preoccupied to fully engage in receiving from others. It's kind of like if a pitcher of water is too full and you try to add more, it just pours out, right? Nothing else can come in. Overcoming this barrier involves setting boundaries, prioritizing self-care, and creating moments of stillness for reflection. And as you intentionally make time for receptivity, you will be able to fully absorb and appreciate the value of yourself and then what others have to offer. Making room to receive is huge. I call it capacity. For years, I found myself not having capacity. And I also found myself hiding behind being busy. And then I get overwhelmed and I feel depleted, no capacity for myself or others. Now, granted, I know, I know there's a lot in life that we need to juggle, yet when we're feeling overwhelmed, it's our body's way of telling us to slow down, pay attention, and take a breath or five breaths. When I feel overwhelmed and drained and frantic and my anxiety is high, That's my body's way of saying, Brenda, stop. You know, my friend, we have a choice. We do not have to be as busy as we are. So why do we allow it? And is is it something that everyone understands? Yes, it is. Because you can say, oh, Oh, you know, I couldn't do that because I'm busy or, oh, I'm busy. And they're, oh yeah, I get it. Okay. It's like, it's a collective energy. It's like, it's got momentum, you know, like that snowball coming down the hill. What I've learned about me and I find with my clients is that we hide behind our busyness because we don't want to look at what is causing the emotional discomfort or 
We hide behind the busy because we actually really don't want to change. So here are a couple of things um, to get you started on working through overwhelm and busyness. The first one is a tangible thing that you can do is to create a well-structured routine. Now, this is where you develop a daily routine that includes a designated time, right? For self-care, relaxation, work, time with friends and family. And don't forget yourself, right? Having a clear schedule can help you manage overwhelm and make space for receiving. Because when we have too many things on our plate and we're keeping it all in our head, we can't prioritize. Or if we're doing so much for other people, like driving the kids to all the sports and the dance, or we're, you know, we're busy at work covering for people, or we're running our own business, it's imperative that we clear our schedule or make time in our schedule to receive, meaning to just empty out, even if it's for five minutes. So another idea would be to do a brain dump, as a lot of you have heard. Brain dump all your responsibilities and to-dos. We need to see it. We need to write it all out on a list or sticky notes, which I use. And then you can see what is important and what's not important and what can be delegated or just really released, right? And then let's practice some mindfulness. We all need this right now. We really do. Mindfulness, it's not only is proven to help our brains, but it is key to longevity. So find some mindfulness techniques like meditation and deep breathing and add them to your routine. Now, listen, we can breathe anywhere. Now, I forget. I'm with you. I forget to breathe. I'll take it in and I forget to like exhale. So we can breathe anywhere. We can actually meditate anywhere, even for a minute, right? It can be 10 minutes, five minutes, one minute while you're going to the bathroom, okay? We can just take some breaths. I mean, that counts as meditation. Just counting our breath gives our whole nervous system a break. And, you know, there's so many apps out there. They even help you breathe. So let's not make any excuses. And let's do this together. Because these practices can help us stay present, manage stress, and create moments of receptivity, even amidst the busy. Block number five is stubbornness and closed-mindedness. Being stubborn or closed-minded can prevent us from receiving new ideas or listening to alternative viewpoints. A rigid or inflexible mindset can lead to missed opportunities for growth and innovation. You know, stubbornness can be a sign of insecurity. They doubt whether, let me me repeat this. Stubbornness can be a sign of insecurity. When people are stubborn, they doubt whether they can give good feedback or are smart enough. It can be because they fear being like everyone else, and it can be from a big fear of change. It can also be a trauma response, because when our brain is flooded with emotions and information, we can go into survival, depending upon our background. 
And that fight, flight, freeze strategy then closes us off to any innovation, creativity, or open-mindedness because it is then about safety and protection. This is happening more and more for people. If it isn't about being triggered or activated into a survival mindset, it can also be from a learned point of view growing up. Sometimes parents or primary caregivers have taught their children that they are always right and there's no room for other people's opinions or thoughts. So here are a couple ideas to get you started on working through stubbornness and closed-mindedness. First, take a look at where you feel stubborn or closed-minded. Where did you learn that? How does it affect you in your relationships today? And then ask yourself, is that how? You want to be in life? When you are with others, you can practice active listening, asking questions, and being engaged in how they think and feel about ideas, right? It helps you get out of your own head. You can also adopt a growth mindset by being willing to learn from your mistakes and find value in constructive criticism and not take it as a fault of yours. You can be willing to ask questions and admit when you do not know something. That's how I started. I would, man, I, I was stubborn for a while and it was because of my feeling totally inadequate, feeling not good enough, so much shame. And so I started, that's how I started, just admitting I don't know. So another couple of things would be to seek, um, diverse perspectives. So, You can do this by actively engaging with people who hold differing viewpoints or backgrounds. Because when we expose ourselves to diverse perspectives, it can help broaden our thinking and we become more receptive to new ideas. Then lastly, we can challenge our assumptions. Regularly question our assumptions and beliefs. This encourages you to approach situations with an open mind and consider alternative solutions. Learning to be open to new perspectives encourages a continuous exchange of ideas, and this leads to personal and professional enrichment. And this brings us to our number six block, which is past trauma and trust issues. Past experiences of betrayal, disappointment, or trauma can have, it can have us build emotional walls that hinder receptivity. These barriers can be really challenging to overcome, but acknowledging and seeking professional support to heal from these wounds is crucial. It's about building trust gradually, both in yourself and in others which can pave the way for more open and fulfilling relationships. Trust starts with ourselves, really. Being willing to admit that we would like help is key. Then being rigorously honest with ourselves, and then a trusted friend or professional. It also takes being willing to be vulnerable, yet only as you feel safe to do so. Just taking small steps. Building trust takes time and effort. It takes consistency, empathy, asking for clarity, not making assumptions, being willing to listen, and then working on our own childhood wounds and taking responsibility for our actions. 
So when you are dealing with past trauma and trust issues, it's really good to seek professional support. Please consult with a therapist or counselor to address past traumas and work on rebuilding trust. Professional guidance can provide you with coping strategies and tools to navigate this barrier. And you want to gradually build trust. Start by trusting in small steps and gradually work your way to trusting more significant commitments or relationships. Consistent positive experiences can help rebuild trust over time. So I'd like to share some thoughts. And that is the art of receiving is a multifaceted skill that requires introspection, it requires courage, and it requires a willingness to grow. And as we discover and uncover these barriers that hinder our receptivity, you and I, together, can unlock new levels of personal development, creativity, and connection. By embracing vulnerability, letting go of perfectionism, fostering a positive self-image, managing overwhelm, opening our mind, and healing from past wounds all contribute to a more receptive way of living. As we learn to receive gracefully, we empower ourselves to lead more enriched, interconnected, and fulfilling lives. And remember that addressing these obstacles that we just talked about and implementing these solutions takes time and effort. The journey toward becoming more receptive requires patience and self-compassion, which is being kind to you. As you work on breaking down these barriers, you'll find yourself more open to receiving the positive influences and opportunities that come your way. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, would you do me a favor and share this episode and then follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss one episode of the Forgive Yourself podcast, where every Friday you will get tips, tools, and stories so that you can turn your pain into peace. Take care.